You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this weekly journey into the minds and hearts and souls of people who are involved in the independent music scene. I know that sounds very dramatic, but I mean, it's, it's true, right? This is the work that we're doing here and the uh, information that we're trying to glean from people who are creating stuff, who are involved with this whole punk, hardcore, indie rock scene, whatever you want to call it, again, as long as it falls under the umbrella of independent music, which I know is a very generic term, but you get it. It's kind of like uh, how Congress describes pornography. Once you see it, like you know what it is. <laughs> I know it's a very random thing, but anyways... This guest this week is an exciting one because uh, I just fell in love with this band last year. Chloe White from the band Snarls, who doesn't have a you know huge, long catalog to uh, speak to, but they did release a record last year on uh, Take This to Heart Records called Burst, and they are releasing a new EP in the next coming weeks on Take This to Heart Records as well. But check out all their stuff. I fell in love with the band hard. And I was really compelled about what they had going on because there was a lot of stuff that I was like, well, they seem really young, but then their their music sounds so mature. Like I, a lot of the times I just get jealous <laughs> because I'm like, man, I look at what I was doing when I was like 19 or 20 and I, I'm not embarrassed by, you know, the music that I was putting out during that time. But I also kind of compare and contrast to the access that people have of all the different influences that kind of combine into what they are doing musically and creatively. And I'm like, man, I just didn't have all that when I was 19 or 20 because the internet was in its infancy and all that other stuff. But, you know, that's old guy stuff. But I, so anyways, the point being, Snarls is a great band and Chloe White is a good human. We got really emotional in this conversation. I'm not going to lie. Uh, she was uh, very ready to be open with me, and we actually discuss a lot of the challenges that come along with, you know, being so kind of heart wide open and putting yourself out there. But um, yeah, Chloe was a, a great chat, and I was very excited to have her. So that's what we got. But you can always email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I respond to all those emails. Sometimes a little bit slower, but you know, I, I promise. I, I really like that interaction. So if you got anything to say, please go ahead and email me. And you can also, obviously, you can follow the show on socials. We're on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, I, I rarely mention that because people trip across it organically. But uh, yeah, you can do that as well. I just, you know, send reminders out on like the new episodes that get posted. And then also go to the Apple Podcast Store and leave a review. It helps. It helps visibility. And ultimately, just tell your friends. Tell your friends about this show, this episode, whatever it is. Share it on social, however you're spreading it. I would appreciate that because that's, you know, that's the best form of marketing. Word of mouth, as they say. But uh, here we go. This is Chloe, and we're going to listen to a little bit of Snarls. dove into you guys when you know you released your first lp because that was obviously you know a logical jumping off point and honestly it was one of those things where listening to probably like a minute a minute and a half of your first track and i was like oh yeah i already love this band <laughs> like i just am all in and i think the reason that not only sonically i enjoyed it but it felt extremely confident for you know, what you guys were trying to get across, even though, you know, all, by all intent and purposes, you know, you're children. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. No, <laughs> like, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that that kind of got reflected back to you in certain ways, whether it was like press saying that or other interviews you've done. Um, does that, uh, I guess, does that resonate with you? Or how do you kind of think about that in those terms? Well, are you getting at the the comment that you made about confidence? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say we got that a lot. You're kind of the first person to say it that bluntly, which I appreciate because I also communicate the same way. Um, <laughs> so we've done, we've done a lot of interviews where people would sort of play at us, um, kind of talking about our ages at the time. But honestly, I never took any, like, there was never any offense from anyone about it. I think we were all just like proud. And I mean, honestly, since from the time I was a little girl, I was a drama queen and not like in the bad way just I have always felt 
extremely strong emotions. Um, and I know my bandmates have too. So I think just getting all that positive feedback and especially at the scale that we did was super validating and really cool. If that answers your question. <laughs> right. No, I, and I, I think it's maybe I'm just projecting myself here being a, you know, 41 year old hardcore kid. Like I, I reflect on the music that I was making with my band at, you know, 20 and like, yes, it was mature in some respects, but then also, you know, cringeworthy in other respects. But I, I mean, I, I know everybody goes through that, but I, I, I think the, the, the confidence that where you were feeling like you could express yourself, whether it was lyrically and musically with just this kind of, you know, unapologetic, like, Oh, well, here's who we are because there's always that element of self criticism of just like, Oh, well, I don't know if we can really do this right now. Or like, maybe we need to wait until later to be able to do all this. But it seems like you just kind of threw it all out there. We're like, eh, whatever, let's see what happens. See, I think that this can, it really depends on the context. So I don't want to speak generally for, en- for like every situation ever, but sure with my music and my dreams specifically, I feel like I have this weird drive that I have something to prove and not in a weird heroic self-deprecating way, but my mother always taught me growing up. um, If you're going to do something, don't half-ass it. You have to do the whole thing. And I feel like I've sort of taken that and put it on steroids. And sometimes I do do a little too much. Um, But yeah, um, I think that we all have that sense of just being completely unapologetic and things. I think that that's like really important. I think it comes through in our music and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having music for fun or not taking it that seriously. But I mean, for me, it is that deep and it is that serious and I think that's okay. Sure. I I, I definitely think there's that. I'm less of a, uh, you know, filter that people put on either consciously or subconsciously at certain ages. But I, I do understand what you're saying in regards to like, well, yeah, if I'm going to do this, I'm just, you're getting all of it as opposed to, you know, some filtered version of it. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you want to filter it, I mean, yes, that's a complete like artistic choice. Like, you know, that's why I was kind of prefacing that in the beginning. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that people who do put a filter make illegitimate art is not at all what I'm saying. I just think that um, the art I make really resonates with like what I'm going through and my past experiences and my beliefs about the world and blah, blah, blah. So it it aligns more um, with my truth than it does my like artistic endeavor, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like uh, just based off the you know couple minutes we've been chatting here, your mother played a very large factor in your life from that perspective as far as life advice and stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I correct in that assumption? Yes. Um, I went. I'm not going to get into that, but I went through some very traumatic stuff in high school, and she wasn't like the softest cushion, but she gave me real advice and that's something I have always treasured. So yeah, she is, she played a huge part in, I don't know, definitely the drive I have and the passion I have. And yeah, that's all Alicia White for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I I do like how you articulated that the, not the softest cushion, but she was able to deliver the real talk to you and you not only did it, maybe it didn't resonate with you at the time, but maybe it retrospectively resonates with you. But I I think that is an important component to understanding from a parental perspective where they may be coming from where it's like, Oh yeah, I hated that they said it at the time, but like I get now why they said that or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that that perfectly sums it up. I mean, it was, you know, the tale as old as time, like teenage daughters and their mothers just being mortal enemies. And that's kind of how it was. Um, But uh, granted we had a lot more going on in our lives at the time, but um, yeah, I mean, her and I are closer than ever now. So anyway, (laughs) not to get sappy. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's when people have, especially when you pursue a life of creative pursuits and are things that maybe parents don't understand where it's like, oh, what do you mean you're not going to school or college or whatever? It's like, what do you mean you're not going to be this? And then kind of combining that with the fact that, yes, I am going to do this and I don't necessarily have to ask your permission, but then you grow closer. I think that is really important. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I, I, I'm glad. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, <sweet. laughs> that's exactly. So uh, kind of focusing on you as a person, were you actually, I, I know you were born and raised in Indiana, but then moved to Columbus when you were whatever, six, seven, something like that. I was seven. I think I was turning seven that summer. Yes. I was six turning seven. And from what I can gather too, it was kind of moving from sort of one ruralish suburb to another ruralish suburb. Is that correct? Yes. My father transferred jobs and we moved to Ohio to Plain City. Got it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to guess just kind of like typifying a sort of like Midwest rural, you know, suburb existence. uh, Was it kind of boring? Were you left to your own devices? Like what was it, you know, kind of uh, looking like for you as you were growing up from that, you know, kid in the, uh, the suburbs perspective? So funny that you mentioned that. I was just thinking about this today. Um, So not only do I have the Midwestern component, but I'm also an only child. Um, So I don't want to have like a pity party, nothing like that. I mean, I had a, I had a great childhood. I had friends to play with, but um, I didn't always relate to everyone. Um, Everyone kind of in my neighborhood had siblings, had big, large families. Um, Both of my parents come from very, very tiny families. I never see them. Um, so it was just more on the fact that I didn't know how to interact with like family things and like big, large groups and stuff. Um, so I really did find, I started confiding in a journal, like when I was eight and nine, um, I didn't have a best friend across the street, Sophie, who I, who is not musically inclined at all, but I would make her write songs with me (laughs) because I started um, just journaling and writing so much. And I would sing to myself and I eventually figured out that I really quite liked singing. Um, And I'd been in choir and my uh, music teacher, you know, because that's what you call them when you're in elementary school, you don't have like a singing instructor or anything yet. Um, but she saw something in that too. And I showed her some journals and I don't know, it gets kind of blurry, but, uh, yeah, sorry. I got off track, but <laughs> long story oh, short, no. um, what, yeah, you, what? You, 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 no, you were, you, you were hitting on the notes that I was trying to kind of elicit because I mean, I think, you know, being raised in the suburbs is isolating to a certain extent because there's obviously no you know, central hub for people to go to the, you know, the downtown aspect or the city or whatever. But then also there's an isolating aspect to, you know, being an only child. I can speak. I am also an only child. So I, I see people like myself, uh, you know, in you in a positive way, (laughs) because I like the experience. Did you, and I, I guess now that you've obviously interacted with a lot of different people, did you, I guess, do you reflect on your only childness as being a, a positive thing? I think it's both. Um, It's hard to describe without kind of mentioning um, I have ADHD, but I didn't know that a lot of my childhood. Mm -hmm. So um, that also kind of, I I think that also played into why I wasn't able to relate to everyone off the bat. Um, Don't get me wrong. I had great friends, nothing too depressing for a nine-year-old, but um, I don't know. It, over time it builds up like without you realizing it. I mean, you're nine and your view on the world is very filtered. Um, so you kind of make sense of things as a nine year old would, and you don't understand why things are the way they are all the time. Um, and I feel like I just grew ever more sad until I transferred schools when I was 15. Um, that I went to an arts school, um, arts and college preparatory Academy. It's a, oh, excuse me, Academy. Um, it's a charter school on the East side of Columbus, but that's where I met my band. Um, and I was really able to exercise, uh, music there. They had literally a rock band class. So, I mean, I definitely had more of a fit there cause, um, you know, I wasn't my old school. I mean, if you were into sports, that's great. <laughs> that's kind of it. <laughs> Right. There's only one real path. It's like you're either playing, you know, volleyball, basketball, you know, softball or whatever. But if you don't fall into that, there's nothing else. Yeah. And then going to college. And I knew from a very young age that I did not want to go to college. Um, Neither of my parents were really pushing for it. My mom didn't go to college. Um, My dad did, but has not done anything with that degree. 
he ended up going into a trade. <laughs> so sure. um, I had a lot of support on that end for, you know, cause some parents really push college. Um, and I think college is great for people that know what they want to do. Um, or if that's what you have to do to go, do the thing that you want to do. But anyway, yeah. yeah but, <laughs> I, that, but that wasn't for you, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry. I'm rather opinionated on the topic cause I didn't. Um, but I, no, I, you, I understand when you do have the, you know, sort of square peg round hole scenario of like, well, I want to pursue this music stuff, whatever that may mean. And like, clearly no degree is going to help me with that. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it will, um, like, I, I mean, I can't speak for her, but Mick, uh, I think her degrees in music business or like, it's more, I think she, it's a major in music business and a minor in like recording, whatever that, whatever that's actually called. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, (laughs) but I know that that helped us a great lot. Um, in the beginning of starting this band, like I had no idea how to do anything communication wise. I just knew how to write songs, but I didn't know how to book shows or like get merch made or do anything or look for places to tour, navigate the scene. Like I didn't know anything about that, but she did. So, yeah, I mean, and that can also come with just being in the scene, which I was, but that was DIY, but she knew how to navigate the professional world a little more. Um, And I think that's what really helped us kind of have that great takeoff. Right. Well, you do, you definitely need both, functions of the band you know from the business side of things and then also the creative side of things in order to you know get out of the quote-unquote garage because yeah otherwise you just be you know playing shows to yourself which is not bad but you know you want to maybe play in front of other people occasionally Um, again i'm so sorry i mean i know you like i know this is supposed to sound like a conversation but i feel bad we you asked me a question and I'm now on a completely different topic. I, I have ADHD. I don't like to blame it on that, but that is why I'm really, I'm terrible at staying on topic. So please feel free to redirect me. <laughs> this is, this is exactly, welcome to the podcast universe. This is exactly what Great. it's all about. They I all tell even... me this, but I don't know. I feel weird like ending on a different note than what the question was. <laughs> no, no. See, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're, you're totally fine. So don't okay. worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I just needed some little reassurance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. I can reassure you and tell you if, uh, you know, I mean, if if I ask you a question about, you know, guitars and we end up talking about dogs, that's not a bad thing, but then maybe we could talk about guitars at some point again. So. Heard. I also <laughs> love dogs. Yes, you're a monster yeah. if you don't. That's my yes. opinion. <laughs> uh, so like you kind of mentioned with your, you know, the, the, the idea of the uh, ever-present sadness and kind of like figuring out how to, uh, you know, express that either, you know, through journals, like you were talking about, was it, um, was it one of those things where you were, uh, you know, finding subculture kind of based around that, like, you know, discovering music and being able to express yourself creatively like that, or were there other avenues that you were kind of finding, uh, that you would be able to express that? that's sort of a a difficult question for me to answer. I can answer it. Um, I am just trying to like, remember. (laughs) No, I know it's hard. It's hard sometimes to be like, well, where, where did this actually start? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, Well, I can tell you for a fact that when I was younger, I liked a lot of different types of music, but I necessarily, excuse me, I wasn't necessarily going out of my way to, finding new music and I didn't really understand, you know, what was behind it to me. It would, I mean, for, for a while it was just music on the radio for a while. Sure. Um, where I really found my voice was choir. Um, I was never really a theater kid, but I just knew that, and it wasn't even necessarily like the content of the songs cause they're choir songs. But, um, I feel like being an only child And just, which I can touch on this probably at another time in a different album and different time in my life. But with the stuff that I was going through too, just being able to like make a loud noise, like projecting and singing so loudly was super powerful for me. It like really resonated with me. Um, And that was sort of like my iron fist. (laughs) So um, 
I think that's where I kind of fell in love with it because I'm also like a small person and I feel really big when I sing really loud and I can sing really loud. Um, but I guess that's more of a childlike perspective, but I think that's what you were asking. I think that's absolutely where it came from. Sure. I mean, once you felt like you had this voice as cliched as that sounds like yeah. just being able to lean into that. Yeah. I don't believe in cliches by the way, but yes. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I like this opinion. So yes. no, no cliches. There are cliches for a reason. It's true. It's, I mean, I wouldn't compare it to stereotypes because stereotypes, are, you know, can often be bad, but. Um, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like no, I'm that. talking cliche, strict to cliche. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that clarification. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just based off of uh, your age, you exist definitely within the, uh, you know, the digital generation where you were, you know, consuming music, you know, most mm-hmm. likely, obviously on MySpace or different iterations of it. Um, or maybe even after that, obviously. Uh, so oh, how were I was on the, I was on that shit way too early. Like, let's not even get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> But were so I, I guess I'm, I'm going to presume that that music was kind of infiltrating you after the radio. What you were previously mentioning, I'm guessing that was where a lot of your earlier discoveries were coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I I guess I failed to mention kind of the crossover when. So we, when you were asking where it came from, that's sort of what I was answering. But I really once I transferred schools, I really started being like, oh look at all these cool indie artists like on SoundCloud that I would have no idea about otherwise or Twitter or Instagram, like social media really brought a lot of different artists to my attention also. Um, but that was once I actually got into writing my own music, um, in a band setting in that uh, rock band class at my other high school that I transferred to. So that's kind of when I started really branching out and finding uh, specifically what I liked and what I liked about certain artists or genres or instruments. And then I got into playing guitar and, you know, love my Bloody Valentine's guitar tone. So got in all that stuff too. So, you know, that's how the jumping off point, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really interesting. I I like how you put that where, especially when you're talking about, you know, guitar class or rock band class, like you are usually throwing a bunch of random people in a room Mm -hmm. and there's so many different tastes and, you know, lanes that people travel in. And usually it does bring all of these disparate elements together to where it's like, Oh yeah. Like, of course I like corn and my bloody Valentine because you know, the guy who I was sitting next to likes corn and you know, the other person likes my bloody Valentine or whatever. So did you feel like it was like a bunch of random stuff thrown into a blender or was it a little bit more, I guess, consistent? Well, that I love that class. Um, and like the first couple weeks we don't even play it. We don't even pick up an instrument. We just kind of like get to know each other. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, we would, we would jam, but we weren't, we weren't allowed to like work on any ideas really. Like we just kind of had to feel each other out and kind of get an idea for what type of person, uh, how do I say that? Like what type of guitarist you are, what type of, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. Like the, yeah, yeah. Style, stylistically, yes, like yes. everybody would be able to say that at that time, but <laughs> yes, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so yeah, we, we spent some time doing that and then time came to pick our bands and we had some wild combos. Um, that first year I went for a more indie route. I had like a little three piece and we, you know, guitar, bass, drums, and two vocals. It was actually Riley and I and another dude. Um, and then that's the second year. No, my last year in that class, I was part of a band called Gluten Freak. Ooh, that is a that is a good ass name. Oh, I know, but it was so silly. Um, we had like kazoo. Uh, what's that thing called? The you slide like whistle? No, I I have a slide whistle. Um, no, but you the thing where you like blow into a tube and it's a piano. Oh, it's like a recorder. No, hmm. it has a, it has a little piano board. It's like maybe ten or twelve keys, and you melodica. Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Is that an I think that's the name of it. Yeah. yeah. So we were really wacky. Like, we could do pretty much anything we wanted in that class. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, that's sort of where I... 
Yes. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. So as you heard, like we could kind of explore whatever we wanted to. I mean, right. as long as we had like, you know, structured songs and it was cool. Cause part of the criteria of that class was playing shows outside of class. Like we had to bring back posters and like photos from the show. Um, so yeah, we would book at like, there, there was a venue. Um, there was a venue on North high street on campus, OSU campus in Columbus called cafe Kerouac. Uh-huh. We would do a lot of those shows there. Um, so I really got to, you know, experiment and explore what I liked and kind of figured all that out. And Riley did too, cause she was also in that class. And so was Max. And so was Mick. <laughs> we all took that class. That is, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things in there that are really, really special and non emblematic of what, uh, how bands actually get formed <laughs> just because that's like, you know, you, most traditional high schools, and I understand this was a, you know, charter school and there was mm-hmm. more, focal point on the creative arts but that's just so wild that all of you guys were able to have this experience holistically but then also different you know you all had different experiences even though you were all kind of like playing together in that same class yeah um even the age differences so mick had graduated when i transferred i transferred my sophomore year Mm -hmm. and she had just graduated high school or maybe the previous year um so it's just funny how we all met anyway. Um, right. But yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, I, I, I guess kind of re- reflecting on your, you know, traditional school experience, you know, e- even at your, the charter school, like, did you care about, I guess, grades? Like, you know, were you uh, academically inclined or was that basically just kind of noise for you playing guitar? <laughs> so what I will say um, is that ACPA cares a lot about the academics. Um okay. They take that very seriously. And it is, uh, it's also a college prep school. So there's a lot of, you can take AP classes um, and all that jazz. So it's kind of focused on college prep and arts, like both. Um, I wanted to care, (laughs) to be honest, so bad, Um, but I didn't. And I hope that I'm not a role model for, children in that regard, because, um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I just, I, you know, I think if I don't even know how to say it, just, just the way school is structured. I just, it's not for everyone and it wasn't for me. Um, a lot of mental breakdowns and I needed more one-on-one time. Um, but right. The group learning environment wasn't what you were, uh, was going to help you excel. Yes. And my thing is, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a couple other things undiagnosed. I have some stuff I need to get figured out, but you know, my issues are things that are still comfortable enough for people. So no one really took me seriously when I said, Hey, I really don't understand this or Hey, I need, help or I'm not learning this the way that you're teaching me. I was basically just kind of, and not at ACPA, but just kind of in life, you know, school teachers, the previous school work environments, other uh, people talking to me. Um, it's just, they kind of glide over it, you know, but, um, anyway, yeah, that's all that to say. Um, I, I, I did care, but I didn't let it kill me. Right, right, yeah. I had to put all my energy, and I wanted to save all the energy that I could save for my music. So, sure, sure. You know what time it is? It is the season of gift giving time. We're talking about you're staring down the barrel of Christmas right now. We are like two months away from Christmas. And the place that you need to go to buy all of your gifts, it will make it a one-stop shop for everybody on your list. That is rockabilia.com. And use this code 100 words or less. That gets you 10% off your order, and you will be able to solve your father's Christmas present, your mother's Christmas present, your brother, sister, your friends. They have so much merch, all officially licensed from across genres of music. I don't care if you're into classic rock, metal, hardcore, rap, whatever it is, they have it, and they have the highest quality stuff in stock. It's independently owned, ships from the Midwest, comes right to you. So again, use this code, 100 words or less, gets you 10% off your order. You will just have a lot of fun 
you know, buying all these gifts and being like, wow, where'd you get this cool Beatles shirt? Or where'd you get this interesting Misfit shirt? Or whatever it is, like, you will find it there. And it's all officially licensed. So that is really important because the bands get paid. So again, 100 words or less, 10% off, use that promo code, and then everybody will be happy. I'm just asking like the the bands that you first started to discover. Uh, oh, what that, were they? Yeah, like the oh. earlier bands. Yep. Um, DIY specifically, or just in? Yep. Yep. DIY, like more stuff that was a little more touchable for you. Um. Well, I'm trying to think of local stuff. Like it's kind of lost on me now because I haven't seen those people in. <laughs> yep. I mean, a long time. Uh. Well. They're kind of on the verge of DIY. I mean, they're they they're involved in the DIY scene a lot, but their name is Van Dale, um, and they're from Columbus, Ohio, and they were one of the first bands that I saw in high school live. Um, that was like one of my first nights out, like with my friend. Well, my friend Riley, our bassist. Um, that was like one of my first times going out and seeing a show. Um, and they played and now we're friends with them and they're great. So, um, I don't, are you, are you asking like what genre they are? Like kind of what I ended up going towards? I'm sorry. I just, (laughs) no, no, you're fine. You're, you're being very deliberate and specific. I like it. Um, yeah, just like the, you know, as you started to explore that, uh, the different types of music, like, you know, the, the bands, whether it's, you know whatever uh i'm just trying to think of random examples whether it's like oh i got really into cartel or like what were some of the early bands that you i guess kind of became obsessed with i'm sorry if i didn't pick that up earlier that no you're fine um i'm i'm honestly trying to remember because i my phases lasts like my phases last like two weeks and then i'm on to the next thing Sure, sure um no, seriously, I get really obsessed with something and then I'm like, oh my God, I tired it. And it, I, I t- always tell myself this. I'm like, Chloe, do not ruin this band for yourself. Don't play the album every time you get in the car. Sometimes I will listen to the same song for like two hours. Yep. Like one specific part. I know a lot of people do that, but it it really tires me out of the, and I'm like, sorry, I'm a musician and I want people to listen to my music that way. But I feel <laughs> kind of like a hypocrite. Sure. Um, I really i can only think of recently not really that's fine back yeah. then um yeah i really love snail mail as do a lot of people they're fantastic mm. um but to touch on diy um there's a band from new jersey called pollyanna um they're great small talks is great they all kind of fall under indie rock, I guess. Um, I do have a specific taste for indie rock. Sure. Um, dang, I'm sorry. I feel like every time someone asks me this question, I have to go look at my Spotify because I can't right. do it off my head ever. No, it's especially too if you're asked to reflect on a certain time and place like you know sometimes there's easier things to be like oh yeah like you know blink or green day or whatever but then other times Mm -hmm. you're like oh i don't know especially if you're talking about how you know uh specific your phases are of a a two-week run and burst then that that maybe is a little more difficult so i honestly can't believe i forgot this band but um we have a band favorite like we all love wolf alice um, I can't even believe I forgot that. That's kind of like why, not why, but they were a huge influence once Riley, when Riley, Mick and I started the band mm-hmm. as just us three, we were like, Oh my God, we want to be the band that sounds exactly like my loves. Uh, no, your love's whore by Wolf Alice. Like that's the song, but joking. Um, right. but I was like that, <laughs> Sure, <laughs> sure. Good. um, but yeah, uh, if there's anything you want to take away from that, I think Wolf Alice is the big one. No, that's good. I like, and that band's so interesting too, because I mean, even though they are popular over here in the States, like, you know, they're worldwide, their presence is felt very dramatically. So it's like people that know that band, like really know that band, but then Mm -hmm. the people that have never heard of them, they're just like, wait, wasn't it that band on that one soundtrack or whatever? (laughs) It's like, yeah, they're much more. No, they are super impressionable. Like it is, I saw them live in April 2019 at Newport Music Hall in Columbus. I remember it clear as day. And my memories are foggy. So 
like it, I feel so happy that I remember this like so clearly. Um, but I mean, their presence is like haunting. Like it is haunting. I couldn't stop crying and I cry a lot at shows. Like I'm a very, that's, I feel music but that way. Some people mm-hmm. get angry. Some people can just stand there. Uh, I am a crybaby. Um, I mean, I was bawling and dancing and it was like super cathartic. And I was like, if the world ended tomorrow, I would be content. Like just with this experience, honestly. Um, sure. And I know that's super dramatic. Um, but no, I- that those are, that, I mean, if you're crying at a show, I think you've done something right in my opinion. Yes. I mean, they yeah. just, they, they, they just, get you. they have me in a chokehold. That's all I will say. They're, no, that, that, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Something I, I find interesting in regards to, uh, you know, the way that, uh, especially from a press perspective that has covered your band and, you know, you guys have been unapologetic about, you know, the, the emo label being, you know, th- either thrust or obviously you guys put it out there <laughs> to begin with. We did. Uh, <laughs> and, it, you know, I mean, that, that word means so many different things to so many different people at this point. And some people, you know, still view it as a, a negative. Um, clearly you guys have never landed in that camp. Um, so I'm guessing that that is deliberate in a choice of yours where it's like, Oh yeah, like we're glitter emo and that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) sorry. Just, yeah. No, Um, it's a simple answer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I see, I wasn't allowed to have like what you call an emo phase. I mean, I could listen to the music, but I wanted like the haircut, like I wanted the scene bangs and I know scene and emo are different. But there are crossover episodes. Um, but yeah, my mom would let me cut my hair. So, you know, the whole like, just, oh, mom, like that whole thing. Um, definitely being a little bratty there. But um, fast forward to my adulthood, um, I categorize emo just more as like super emotional. And I think people can take that as like, you know, emotionally charged. Hence, like sometimes there's really like fast emo music. But I when I'm sad and I like, I don't know, do you cope in the way where you like kind of make fun of yourself? Like you'll like be crying. You'll just like kind of laugh and be like, why am I crying right now? Type deal. Do you ever do that? Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think most people that have some sense of self or self deprecation behind them, like some people aren't comfortable with that, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I empathize with what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess, um, I asked that because that is sort of how I, and I can't speak for the rest of the band, but that's how I've always viewed emo, I guess. Like I, if I want to tell someone I am very sad, but I don't want them to pity me. I tell them I'm emo. Does that, sure. like I'll text, like, I'm so emo right now. <laughs> um, right, right. So that's sort of my play on that word, I guess. Right. It's an, I mean, it's interesting because, and I'm sure, you know, the, I guess the uh, etymology of the word, you know, existing in the, whatever, in the mid eighties when, you know, it got labeled on the DC bands that were, you know, being more emotionally charged hardcore or whatever. And like now that emo is, you know, to the mainstream culture is more, it's an adjective rather than a style of music. And so it's interesting how different people can deploy it. Yeah. Um, and I never argue with anyone. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's emo. Cause some people will fight you to the death of to the death about it, but I like you. We can talk about our differing opinions on emo. That's really refreshing. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. But, um, no, I just, also, also I'm not kidding though. Like I'm really not <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Jo- joking slash not joking. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. It, uh, kind of on that that same notion, you know, once Starls started to, you know, come together and you, you know, found your kindred sp- spirits from a musical perspective, I understand that you guys really hit the ground running in regards to, you know, getting songs together and having, um, you know, that vision of what you wanted the band to sound like. Was it, um, I guess, was it difficult to kind of put yourself out there? And I know that maybe sounds like a, you know, sort of rote question, but did you feel... I guess any vulnerability for putting yourself out there or does it kind of just lean to what you were originally saying where it's like, well, you're going to get me no matter what. It's both. Um, I am actually really terrified of 
this is getting like serious. Um, <laughs> but okay. long, I'm here for it. Okay. As long as you're okay. Um, I am terrified of getting bigger actually because of how vulnerable I'll have to be. And I feel like there's a sense of fear there from where I was talking about earlier. Um, just in my childhood, like not doing super well in large groups, I have definitely tamed a, a part of myself to talk on a stage. Um, there is a, there's a feeling of comfort up there that is like no other. It's weird because most people go like, Oh my God, you're insane for calling that comfortable. Like hundreds of thousands of eyes just like staring at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I'm going to cry. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, I appreciate, I mean, I appreciate you being vulnerable because I, I, I do think it is interesting, especially when you are at the juncture that you're at, where it's like, there are people who are paying attention to your music and who are drawn to, you know, the lyrical content and feel a connective tissue with you. And then there's that idea of once you put out art out in the world, how it's not yours anymore. And then that notion of balance of being like, okay, well, but I, I still want to feel like this is some, something that I have some control over. So yeah. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Well, I guess I was getting more at this like live performance aspect, but when, sure. but when we're talking about releasing it, um, I, I am able to let go of that. I, I love it when people can, you know, reinterpret my lyrics um, because I did, you know, I wrote the song for me, but really it does more service if people can grab a hold of it and do what they need to with it. Um, And there is, back to the live aspect, um, when I write my lyrics, you know, I, I talk super dramatically. So my lyrics are like super loaded and can be, Sometimes they're blunt, um, but there can be a lot more said behind them than is actually like written down, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm singing them, um, I don't know, it feels magical almost, but it's it's so therapeutic because you almost feel like you just feel naked. <laughs> you kind of feel like a tree with all of its leaves falling off on the very top of a hill with no other trees and the sun's just shining on it. You're just like, totally it's sorry. It, it, I mean, it's just, I'm amazed by it every time I do it. And I, every time we play a big show, I walk off of the stage and I'm just like, what did I just do? It's weird. It's kind of like I go, I go into a trance sort of, um, because it feels so good. So anyway, yeah, no, that's be, that's beautiful. And I, I think it's articulated well, because I think, and I'm sure you've either seen this or experienced this tangentially where people look at the process of creating and playing in a band and, you know, it gets, <clears throat> it gets habitual and like those feelings maybe aren't as easy to tap into mm-hmm. because, you know, you've done it hundreds of times and you're, you're at that juncture where like that hasn't taken over for you and you feel this catharsis to be able to, you know, get up there and, and sweat and cry and do all the things that you need to do up there, which is mm-hmm. awesome. I, it's weird. Um, on our last little tour, I don't even know if I could call it a tour. <laughs> our last little run, it was those three shows we played with Alex G um, mm-hmm. last month. Um, our last show in Pittsburgh that was the first show that I like could move because <laughs> uh, usually I'm frozen. Like I am so stiff and nervous, but that was the first show where I like let loose and have fun. And it was so weird. Um, and I think I finally just like accepted that I want to do this. Like, and I've accepted that this might not be what I do for the rest of my life. But as I told you, like, you're, you're going to get all of it. You're going to get all of me. And I think I finally just tapped into that and it felt really weird and crazy. Sorry, I'm using weird a lot, but no, it's okay. life is weird. <laughs> right. 
Yes, life is uh, absurd, as I think one Albert Camus said at one point. But mm, uh, it yes. is absurd. Yes. <laughs> well, I, but I, I mean, I think it's cool that you're able to sort of look at what you are experiencing and then be able to find the level of comfort that you are existing in. Because I think that when you start to pay attention to, you know, maybe the, you know, more, uh, I guess, you know, the business implications of the band, like how many people are at the show and like all of that sort of stuff, then, you know, you, you start to feel maybe a little bit more disconnected to the songs or whatever. That stuff's one year and out the other with me and not in a disrespectful way. Um, sure. It's just not what I care about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly. Um, obviously the numbers do matter when we're like putting in merch orders and stuff. And of course I am so grateful for everyone that, you know, goes to the merch table and, you know, and it's amazing to hear like that you're making these big numbers. It's, it's insane. Sure. Um, so I don't want to like come off as like, I don't care about our fans or anything. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's just, um, it's not why you do this. Yeah. And it's also uh, like numbers in, in the size of things and, even colors are hard to conceptualize in my, in my brain. So I'm like a, I need to see it to believe it type of person. So when what, it's not the number that touches me. It's not like the number of monthly listeners or how much merch we sold or how much money we made in a night. It's like when I look out into a crowd and I see everyone then I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Right. This is, so, this is here. I'm doing this. Yeah. And yeah, I, I kind of get, teary-eyed because it's like I can't even tell you the countless times I've been in a crowd at a show and been like so excited to see someone because I love their songs um and then like when you're in that position you're just like the imposter syndrome starts hitting you like crazy and you just don't even believe it for a second but sure yeah you're like what am I I doing up here I I need to be (laughs) yeah like, shouldn't I be sitting at the bar or the merch table right now talking to some weird dude that's taller than me? Right. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, I, I guess on the, um, you know, that that idea of putting yourself out there and then having that energy reflected back on you, I, I'm sure you've started to experience people reaching out to, you know, the band on social media and other uh, portals of the connective tissue that they have with your lyrics and just kind of, you know, expressing their emotions. Uh, has that been like, how, how have you been able to manage that? Is that overwhelming for you? Is that something that, you know, you are comfortable being a receptacle for or where, you know, are you, are you just sorting through all those emotions still? I think it's all of the above. Um, I'm definitely comfortable with it. I, I feel like it would be wrong for me to say that I'm uncomfortable. Um, it's definitely jarring at first, but then you, I mean, then once it happens so many times, like you kind of accept that you're doing something really cool. Um, and I've never let it go to my head. I don't think it ever will. Um, but it's, I think it's, uh, how do I say that? It's a form of intimacy that I don't think people practice enough. You know, like reaching out to someone and telling them how you feel. Like, I feel like that's so lost. (laughs) Um, with all that's right now, that's a good, yeah, that is a good point, especially in certain contexts. And I think that there is, I mean, in the art world at large and especially Mm -hmm. the independent music world, you, you should feel like there is that. I guess, openness for people to be able to, you know, have the ability to say, Hey, Chloe, Hey, snarls. Like you made me feel this way, um, in a non judgmental capacity, but yeah, people may be afraid to do that because they feel, you know, like that's too vulnerable or that person doesn't want to hear about that or whatever. Yeah. uh, That's exactly what I meant. And, um, yeah, to me, that's sad <laughs> that people don't yeah. feel comfortable. And, you know, everyone's got their own life story. There's reasons why people, you know, I- I'm that way. Like, I overthink everything I'm about to say before I say it. Sometimes I don't think at all. And then I overthink it later. And it turns into a whole spiral, and it's bad. So, listen, I understand why 
you know, people would be afraid. But um, that's what I'm saying is it makes me so happy when someone does that and tells us, you know, hey, this really touched me. And like that, that's why I keep doing this, you know, like even when I have writer's block, like I have writer's block like so bad lately. Um, and it's making me really angry, but I will keep trying another day because right. people like that. So anyway. Yeah, no, I like, I, I, it, it strikes me too, as we're talking that, you know, irregardless of you, you know, having a band and, you know, going through the, the formal process of releasing records, like you would be creating in some capacity, whether people were paying attention or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? I did. Yeah. I did. Um, I, maybe not in the context of what you're doing right now, but you would be creating. I think so. That's just the personality I have. Um, and it's, it helps me like when I, when I sit down and write a song, it's usually when I'm really emotionally charged. It's, it's hard for me to write lyrics when I'm not, um, kind of in a state where I really shouldn't be around anyone else. If you are picking up what I'm putting down. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So that, I don't know. I, I definitely still would be creating, but I don't know if I would definitely lyrically, I'd be creating the same, but instrumentally I definitely do think about uh, things in context of being in a band now for sure. Sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because that's, you know, the, the, form in which you are creating so now you can feel comfortable existing in that as opposed to you know trying to figure something some other way to express yourself yeah um with the you know kind of what you're talking about with your you know run of a few shows with alex g and you know kind of once more touring opportunities you know open up because i know you guys are, are planning on you know hitting the road more uh, frequently as the world starts to acclimate with what the new normal is. Um, are you from your limited sort of out of town show experience? Uh, have you enjoyed that aspect of it? Um, or is touring kind of uh, like daunting to you in certain respects? Well, um, the six week run is daunting <laughs> for sure. Um, we've never done that. I've never been away from home for longer than two weeks. Got it. So, um, it's daunting, but <laughs> sorry to bring up my mom again, but I think this is the perfect analogy. I remember the first time I was riding on a plane and I was with her and she told me, Chloe, people get on planes, millions of people get on planes every single day and they land and no, like people ride planes all the time. There's nothing to be afraid of. I know going in the air is scary, but people land and this trip, this, um, six week two are about to go on other musicians do it. They are alive. <laughs> they didn't die. <laughs> they are still healthy and happy. So what is there to worry about besides, you know, managing some stress here and there. That's how I calm those nerves. Cause uh, I feel like if I ever think it too much, I'm going to ruin the excitement and I, and the anticipation, you know, I think that we're going to have a great time and um, those are my best friends. So I think it's super cool that I get to go on a trip with them and do our thing um, almost every night. So yeah. Yeah. It's not so scary in retrospect. Yeah. No, that's cool. And like on that, that same topic of, you know, your, your mom and, and watching you be able to, you know, perform and put up music and all that sort of stuff. How do you think that, uh, you know, has she seen you play? Like how, I mean, clearly she's supportive of you pursuing these creative, um, you know, ideas of yours. You know, how, how does that kind of interact with her? Is she like, oh, wow, like I'm concerned about Chloe. Like, you know, she's throwing her life away by not doing these things or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, how, how does it kind of uh, interact with her? I think my career path and my mother's outlook online um, on, online um, outlook on life kind of perfectly coexist. She like wants to travel the world. Like her and her fiance, they just got a boat. And once the kids are out of college, um, he's got a couple 
Um, they want to like take the boat and just go live their life. Like that's their dream. So I think my mom, like her and I definitely share that quality of just like, we, we don't like to stay in one place very long. And, you know, we have kind of this, we're both very like dreamy eyed people. Um, but you know, the funniest thing about with all of that to say is that she never told me blindly just to follow my dreams. Like I remember her coming into my room one day and saying like, cause there was a long period of time where I would not even come out of my room to sing for her or my dad. Like I had learned guitar, learned a few chords, but I was so fucking shy. Sure. <laughs> I was so shy um, and embarrassed and she knew that I wanted to do this. Like she knew that, and I wasn't even in a band yet. Like this is before we moved. Like this is kind of when I was first picking up guitar, but was saying, you know, I want to, I want to write music and I want to play on a stage. Um, and she comes into my room one day and she goes, Chloe, no one is going to knock on your door and ask if you want to be a rock star. Like no one is going to just like seek you out. Like you got to come downstairs. Like you have to come play us a song like now. <laughs> and right. eventually she guilt tripped me into it. Um, so it's funny cause she is super dreamy eyed, but also just like takes no shit. So I think what she taught me with all that is that I could do what I wanted to do. Ultimately I had freedom, but I had to be serious about it. And that I, that's when I feel like I started to really get her support. Cause she wasn't the mom to tell me like, Oh no, you shouldn't do that. You should follow a more strict career path. Like she never was that, but I knew that I didn't have her full support until I really started showing her that I was serious about it. Um, and now she is like her and my dad are both like my rocks. Like they both just root for me and cheer for me. And I'm so grateful, but, um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of all I have to say. Yeah. No, that's really cool that, um, that supportive environment allowed you to be able to not only do what you're doing now, but then like literally give you that push. <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah. here, here you go, Chloe. Like, you know, why don't you, why don't you take it out? Like, uh, we think you, you got something here, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not like they said it in those terms, but yeah. <laughs> My mom always told me to, she, whenever she would tell me I could sing, like, she's like, oh, you have such a beautiful voice. And, She'd go, trust me, honey, if you can sing, I'd tell you. Like, I'm not that mom that's like, oh my gosh. Like, she, like, even if you were so bad, like, she wouldn't tell me that I, you know. Um, And I just thought that it was funny that she even said that. I was like, well, thanks, thanks, mom. (laughs) Right. She's like, if you're you're trash, I'd really tell you, Chloe. (laughs) She really, no, but here, she really would. Like, I, she really would. She is so funny. She'll be like, I don't like that outfit, but not in the mean way. She's, and I'm like, I don't care. She's like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like she just, she a very opinionated, strong-headed woman, but, um, Apple didn't fall too far from the tree. So <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, it, it sounds like there's some similar qualities there. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was that it, it seems like you have a lot of fun with your appearance, not only in the, you know, myriad of, of, uh, hair colors that you've had, uh, you know, over, over time, but then, mm-hmm. you know, makeup and your appearance, um, is that just a, another form of creativity that you can lean into in the presentation of yourself? Or is that just something that you're like, Oh, this is just fun. So I like to do it. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of both. I guess I've never really thought about it. Cause it's just like, it's my personal beauty standard, I guess, if that makes sense. Like it's just, oh, sure. it, you know, it's just kind of how I like to do my makeup, but if you, I mean, I, I guess if I really think about it, I do like dyeing my hair colors. Like, I guess I don't have fun when it's not colored. So yeah, if it's color, then it's fun, I guess if, is how you would want to put that. Um, but where I, where I do find the most fun is clothing. Um, I don't, I haven't really been able to step out in a while cause you know, the obvious, but, um, I have a really fun time getting on like Etsy and eBay and I really love vintage clothes and I really love like, you know, small designers. I just love really unique clothes. I don't know why I have such a, I have a connection to clothing, but I I can't really articulate it yet. I just know 
that I like a piece when I like it. I don't even search for a specific style. It's just I, you're drawn towards. I guess, yeah. I, I like like pale blues and pinks and chartreuse and then like stark black and white. I don't know. I just it's more of like the colors, I think, for me than it is like clothing and hair and makeup. It's just colors. I don't know how to put it other than that. Sure. I'm sorry if that sounds like I know it's a very vague answer, but I truly that's it. I just like I I just I was talking about that. I forget who the conversation was the conversation was with, but two months ago I was with someone. It might have been my mom or Riley, but we were walking down like the street in our neighborhood, and I was like, "There's not enough colors. There's like brick." and gray cement and green and white and black cars. And this is boring. Um, so anyway, I think that's it. I think I just like to bring more color to. Sure. Things. Yeah. You get, <laughs> right. You got to like, if, uh, if this environment won't change, I, I am going to enter the environment. So therefore it'll change it because I've got at least 15 different colors going on here. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, there are so many things that you can't, uh, change about of an environment, but you are, and your presentation are one of them that you can change. Yes. Um, yeah. and I guess I like to stand out too. I mean, that's definitely, excuse me. That's definitely part of it. Um, but I, I really don't know what's behind that. I couldn't give you an answer. I guess I, I like it. <laughs> it's you being an only child, you know, we're, we're always trying to stand out in, you know, maybe less annoying ways than other people, but you know, still being like, Hey, Hey, pay attention to me over here. <laughs> you know what was so weird growing up? I always got, like when I would tell people I'm an only child, they wouldn't believe me, which I think is a compliment because there's a lot of negative connotations associated with only children. But I would be super weirded out by it because I definitely felt like all of the negative connotations of being an only <laughs> child. But they'd say like, oh, I'd have no idea. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. But um, if anyone knows what that means... DM me, Chloe from Snarls, because I have no idea what that means. So if you have brothers and sisters, please tell me, because I got told that all the time. <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, I'll play a little armchair psychologist. I think most people that look at only children have the notion that they are not well adjusted in regards to communication, being able to like compromise. It's their way or the highway. Um, at least this is what I've heard myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm kind of like the second one. I mean, not really, but yeah. I'm super opinionated and strong headed, but I can compromise for sure, which I feel it comes with maturity. But even as a little girl, I could. But yeah, no. Yeah. Well, that, and that that's probably why people maybe looked at you and said, oh, like she's exhibiting the fact that, you know, she can play nice with others. Whereas, you know, some only children would just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, going to talk to myself in the corner mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> And also when they say we're not well adjusted with communication, it's like, I didn't have other kids in my house. Like I was talking to adults like 24 seven, like for me, in my head, that makes your communication better depending on the parents, of course. Um, But yeah, I I was always around adults. So it's a very valid point because you, when you are, you know, sitting at the proverbial big kids table, like you are listening to discussions about the day at work and, you know, maybe the news of the day, as opposed to, you know, what Timmy said about his fart or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know, but just, yeah, exactly. it's like, no, it's okay. I love fart jokes. So you're fine. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> fart jokes and dogs. This is pretty much what we got. Here. Oh my gosh. We have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. Well, Chloe, I really appreciate you letting me uh, ping pong around your brain. And um, yeah, I, I, I thank you for your time. Yeah, you too. I love to talk and I like to talk about this stuff. I feel, thank you. Like actually thank you because um, it is nice to kind of say what's behind, you know, everything that Snarls is. It's, you know, I mean, I know I'm just a quarter of it, but yeah, you know. it's an important it's an important point of view and sometimes uh you can't uh you know uh, articulate that in a four question interview for a website yeah and I, exactly and i think that this is like one of the most human things that we can do like you and i have never spoken before this time but we're like touching on these really deep topics like i think that it's so nice to 
relate to people, especially now at this time in our society. I feel like I just, it's super hard to relate to one another. Um, kind of when we're talking, like, of course we all go through these collective shifts and stuff online and people, you know, likes and retweets. So you see that people are relating, but to actually like sit and talk with someone about it is super great. So sorry, I didn't mean to ramble, but thank you is really what I'm trying to say. That is what's up with Chloe. And hopefully you got a more clear picture of where she's coming from. And then ultimately checking out the art that she's putting out. Cause like I said, snarls, great band, new EP coming out, take this to heart records and then check out their previous full length called burst. If I'm not mistaken, that came out in 2020, really, really good. Just, just, I, I mean, that is where I fell in love with this band. So anyways, that is what is up with that. But next week we have Jeff Garlock who played in the legendary screamo band orchid he also played in panthers he's also done a ton of different podcasts a ton of different bands that's just kind of the the log line as it were but uh, jeff garlock is a person who i've been aware of for quite some time moved out to los angeles a couple years ago we never met we just traveled in the same circle so uh it was funny because a mutual friend was on the podcast eric from jerome's dream and then he reached out to me being like hey do you want to have me as a guest? (laughs) And I know that's always a weird pitch, but there are times where I'm like, oh yeah, like you would be fun to talk to. And this makes sense because you have, I've seen you play many, many times with all your bands. So anyways, that is next week, Jeff Garlock. And until then, please be safe, everybody.